0: Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Herron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 550. Five, of how do you write? I almost forgot to tell you what you're listening to, you. But you probably already know. I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, today's a super cool episode um, that I'm very excited about. I talked to Jessica Abel, and I've been listening to her for a while. Um, I was first listening to her podcast on storytelling, and then I was on her email list, and she just came out with this awesome book called Growing Gills, which I have been really, really enjoying. So I reached out to her on a whim, and she said yes, and I loved talking about creativity with her. Um, I love this idea that she has about working on one project at a time. Uh, it really, really resonates with me, and I'm bad at doing it. So I jumped at the chance to ask her some questions about that. Um, I loved her answers. So I know you're going to enjoy that. In a little update of what's going on around here, um, I am not working on One Thing at a Time, which has been driving me a little bit crazy, as you know. I'm still waiting to hear back on the thriller where it is at. And I am officially, right now, in front of you all, on the air, I'm going to... um, I'm just going to let that go for a bit. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, it's hard to not worry about these kind of things, but I just have to let it go and be okay with that, and I am okay with that. So in the meantime, while that is out there doing its thing, um, I finished up the synopsis proposal for a paranormal romance series, which I'm pretty excited about, and um, I had been kind of losing a little bit of love for romance. It's just something I've written a lot of. And I sometimes I want to move away from it, but it sells well, so I want to stick with it. Um, So that's why I'm trying this paranormal angle, because it's exciting to me. It's something a little bit new. And I love the synopsis, so I sent that out today to my agent. Yay, that's off my plate. And tomorrow, I decided... I just decided this this morning. You're the first to know. I'm going to start um a new romance tomorrow uh, because I have a romance dangling. It's the third of a trilogy uh, that I have already written and published the first two. This is a completely self-published um, series, the Ballard Brothers. And it turns out that Jake... The last brother in the series, who I've been setting up, you know, looking forward to writing him, um, is a sailor. And if you're on my email list, um, you already know that I learned how to sail this last weekend. It was amazing. I went out for two days onto Lake Merritt in Oakland, um, which is a great place to learn how to sail because the the winds can be very strong. And this last weekend, the winds were very strong. They were almost gale force. Um, they were definitely small craft advisory. They got up to 30 miles an hour, which is like 28 knots. Um, and in the afternoon, we were just not able to do it. As little baby sailors, we were not doing a good job. Um I managed to sail me and my partner into a place where we could not sail out of because the winds were so strong and had to get towed out by our instructor in the powerboat, which made me feel like a freaking idiot. Um, But the fact remains is that I spent all weekend learning how to sail, learning how to rig the boats and take down the rigging and learning what each of the lines did and what they do. And there had been some glorious sailing moments where we really were sailing. We were under sail power. It was just me and my uh, partner in the class, Elizabeth, and we had so much fun. Um, and I'm now obsessed with sailing because I do this. I get very obsessed with certain things, uh, for a certain amount of time. And then a lot of times I let them go. You may know this feeling. The things that have stuck with me are knitting and writing. Those kind of those have stuck with me all my life. Um, Everything else, I get very passionate about, and then sometimes let go. So I don't know how long I'm going to stick on stick with sailing. Um, Therefore, I'm not buying a boat anytime soon. Not getting a berth anywhere in the area. Um, But I'm thinking about a lot. So I realized I have the sailor. I need to write. And it's going to be so fun. So I'm starting that tomorrow. I'm going to go to my cafe and plot it out and then start the writing the next day because I need to be inside a work and not waiting to hear on anything. I just need to be writing. It's what my heart wants the most. So I'm going to do it. I'm excited. I will keep you posted on that. And now I guess that's my update. I think that's all I had to tell you. Oh, I wanted to, say thank you to some new patreon subscribers um you guys know if you're a patron how much it means to me it allows me to have the time to do this show to write the essays on creativity that i send out every four to six weeks so thank you to katie and rodney harper and stephanie vb and sarah barkin thank you for editing your pledge and um thank you to everyone who's a patron it means the world to me it really really does so um please enjoy the interview with jessica abel i absolutely know you will um and shoot me an email at twitter a facebook message if you enjoy the show i love talking to you guys hey you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.comslash write, and you'll also get my Stop Stalling and Write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Okay, well, I am just so pleased today to welcome Jessica Abel to the show. Hello, Jessica. Hi, I thanks am, for having me. Of course, I'm thrilled to have you. Um, we're big fans of yours in my household. Uh, first, let me give a little introduction for those who might not know you. Uh, cartoonist and writer Jessica Abel is the author of Growing Gills, Out on the Wire, La Perdita, and two textbooks about making comics, drawing words and writing pictures, and mastering comics. Abel's new, new science fiction comics series, Trish Trash, Roller Girl of Mars, Debuted in November 2006, she is chair of the illustration program at the Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts and lives with her family in Philadelphia. And I have to say that I'm a, I'm a very big fan of your podcast, um, Out on the Wire, which was uh, really, really awesome. Anybody listening should go listen to that. It's kind of this masterclass on storytelling based on radio, based on podcasts and radio plays, that kind of idea. And you really cracked open some ideas about storytelling for me when I was listening to that, and um, and your new book, Growing Gills, just came out, which I'm seriously enjoying. And I have to tell you one side story that uh, my wife is also a cartoonist, graphic um, designer, and she she was telling me she's in one of your other courses, I believe, and you were discussing not getting sidetracked, you know, by all the things that distract us, like looking up you know, kayaks and stuff like that, and she she told me that she actually left that post and researched kayaks, and then we spent this last weekend kayaking in our new inflatable kayaks <laughs> <laughs> that she learned exist for $69, so she would like me to tell you that she really failed in that assignment, but the kayaks are awesome. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I never said the word kayak. I don't know where she got that from, but... <laughs> Just like I so said, don't get distracted Just <laughs> like Kayak, kayak, kayak. <laughs> exactly.
0: So I would love to talk to you about your process because you have some really, really awesome things to say about process and, and projects especially. Um, but I would like to know, what is the best time of day for you to write and where do you get that writing done?
1: Um, first thing in the morning after my kids go to school is probably the best time. So it's not literally like get up and work. It's like, have the morning routine takes probably an hour and then right after that kind of sit down and get to work um it's not that I'm the most creative then or the most energetic or whatever although I think at this point you know I'm really like I always thought of myself as a night person I think I basically am a night person given my druthers but um uh I don't have enormous peaks and valleys in terms of energy um but definitely once like if you've just eaten and you've just slept you're Really, like in a good position,
0: yes, yes,
1: to take advantage of that, and there may be other things that happen later in the day that make it less productive
0: yeah, and where do you work?
1: um often sitting on my brown couch right upstairs from my kitchen, um or upstairs upstairs I' have a five story house up in my studio um on the couch, usually on a couch. <laughs>
0: I love that you have multiple levels too of couches to choose from. Yes.
1: I love Philadelphia. We have these like you know small houses that are go up. So
0: I, lo- I love Philadelphia. It's beautiful there. Um, so now as if anybody's watching on the video, are you in a studio or a workshop space? I am
1: in my um, office studio. so okay. I'm faculty at the um, Pennsylvania Academy of Fine Arts, Papa. Okay. And this is my like faculty studio.
0: That's, actually. that's nice, too.
1: Yeah. And not very common, I don't think. But, you know, appointed faculty at Papa have studio space. So.
0: Fantastic. And do you do your drawing there?
1: Um, a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm actually doing... Here, I'll show you where I'm doing my drawing. Yeah. Right oh,
0: here. Oh, cool.
1: <laughs> How do you like that? So, uh, it's a mixed bag. I, I basically... Most people who use digital, who make digital, art, either go... Totally digital, or they'll like sketch stuff by hand and scan it and then ink it digitally. Mm-hmm. I go the other way around. I do my pencils digitally, print them out, and then ink them.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, what can I say? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so, awesome. this is some, I'm working on some pencils for Trish Trash. You, you actually, you um, said it came out in 20, 2006. It's
0: 2016. Oh,
1: 2016. So. Yes. I am. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. It was definitely yeah. recently.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm in the middle of it. There's three volumes, and I'm I'm drawing volume three now.
0: Oh, that's really cool. Um, And when you're writing uh, prose, how do you generally write? Because you're pretty prolific. Are you longhand? Are you on the computer solely? Do you dictate? Computer,
1: basically, entirely. Yeah. I use Scrivener. Um, I use, actually, I use a mixture of things depending on sort of what phase I'm in. Often I find myself doing um, early drafts of things in Evernote. Mm -hmm. So, like, I'll put... I'll think of something and I'll use the little clipper thing in my screen to just like write that down and get it into Evernote and then I'll collect it and I'll have a bunch of stuff and I'll put it in a notebook. And eventually I take all that stuff out and delete it out of Evernote, and put it into Scrivener where I can actually organize it and do something with it. Um, And then in many cases, I'll end up with it actually in Google Docs because I need to share it with somebody. I need to have an edited, that I need to do something. So there's a whole like. I haven't worked it out to be like an official workflow, but that's kind of how things tend to play out.
0: Sounds like a really good workflow. I'm only beginning to embrace Evernote recently. I'm probably the last person, but it is really powerful.
1: It's really powerful. I mean, I have nice. way too many notes in my Evernote. Like with the problem with Evernote is it's like the bottomless toy box. You know <laughs> how like you only ever scrape off the top level of toys from big toy box. Yes. There's so much stuff in there that I've saved. Like, I mean, I've had Evernote since I don't know, 2010 or something like that. Wow. I mean, I have like 12,000 notes in there. And um, yeah, so it is, not, <laughs> is no joke.
0: <laughs> I'm feeling like mine is full and I've only been using it for six months, so I can't even imagine
1: having yeah. it around for well, so. A lot years. of it is yeah. like clip webpages and stuff. Yeah. It's not necessarily like I've actually written 12,000 notes, of but course, like yeah. things, you yeah. know, and, um, and, I, and my usage has definitely ramped up over the years and I use it more. And so like, sometimes if you, if I look through a folder, like one individual notebook by date, you'll see like, there's a couple things back in 2008 or 2009 or something. And I'm just like, wow, I was in a totally different place back then. I was saving this thing that is like pointless now. Delete, you know,
0: (laughs) it's creative spelunking in a way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: (laughs) How do you go about refilling the creative well for yourself?
1: Oh, I wish I had a good answer for that. Um, I, um, don't very much. Unfortunately, I really, this is my big struggle right now, actually, is trying to figure out how to work less and how to spend more time just kind of being like, travel is a big thing. Because um, when I travel, I am uh, by default, not doing a lot of the stuff that I normally do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have long plane rides. And, you know, just there's kind of stretches of time that are like, not, they're not schedulable in a normal way. And so I find myself having sort of like the bigger thoughts about what I want to be doing and, you know, what, what's happening with stories Um, there. I used to do a lot uh, when we lived in, we moved back from France a year ago, we were living in France uh, for four years. And when we were in France, we had a car, we don't have a car now. So this is why the whole complicated story. And of course, France is very close to everywhere else. So we would road trips. And so road trips were great. I would have long conversations with my husband about some story problem I was having or whatever, so that was a big thing. I think a lot of it is like being torn away from my um, productivity and schedule and jobs and all that stuff. Like having something that breaks that pattern for me is really uh, helpful. And um, you know, when and I'm starting to get back to doing things a little bit more like gardening, working on the house, stuff like that, which is meditative for me. So there's yeah. that.
0: Have you heard of the book called rest by Alex Su Kim Pang? It's, it's wonderful. It's a, it's about, it's about rest and deliberate play in, in the lives of creatives. Um, and I found it, I found it really, really interesting.
1: I will um, definitely check that out. Yeah. Cause I, I need to learn some of that as, that is, that is my next, uh, mission. <laughs> I,
0: I basically studied it like a Bible and it was really helpful <laughs> for me. Yeah.
1: So. I and mean, this is the thing really actually, it's really, I, I was doing a, uh, when was this the context in this? Um, I don't know. I was talking to somebody the other day about this and they were talking about, oh, I know who it was. It was a student of mine. He was saying like, he really resists this um, culture among artists and writers that um, you have to be working all the time. You know, that there's this kind of like, inner voice that's telling you like if you're watching tv you should be working if you're you know going out to dinner you should be working if you're doing whatever you should be working and like those are you shouldn't you know like you should be where you are like whatever it is that you're doing and I completely suffer from that but this kind of like self-flagellating um and you know I think cultural um pressure to like any minute that you're not forced to be doing your day job you should be focusing on your art, you know, and, and just doing that. And I think that it's really, I mean, my own life is not evidence for, you know, how one should do this, but like, I think it's really important to carve out personal time and make sure that you're guarding that and, and filling the well in ways that I am not even capable of thinking about right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking so much about that recently. That's awesome. Um, What is the absolute best or worst writing advice you've ever been given?
1: Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> um, best advice. You did warn me I was going to get this question. I <laughs> thought I had something and then I, it got away from me. Um, it happens. Yeah. Um, oh, geez. Can we go on to something else? and Absol- come back.
0: Absolutely. Uh, okay. What secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way?
1: Um, the narrative arc, like the existence of the narrative arc. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I had a hard time learning that one
1: myself. <laughs> like, I didn't even know there was one. I was like, why do these stories work and mine don't? I don't understand. <laughs> and I just, like, it took me years to figure it out. And I was like, oh, Aristotle, you know, like, just,
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, totally.
1: like totally. it was there all the time.
0: I I think about that a lot, though, because we are so... We're, we're surrounded by the Western three-act structure. And I think a lot of us get it right accidentally the first time. And then can't repeat. Yeah, or like that.
1: one of the times. You're like, why did this story function?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't realize that until my second book when my, when my editor pointed out that I had no idea what narrative arc was. <laughs> and I had to learn. I had to do this crash course because I had a book do. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort?
1: Um, craft tip. I would say, oh, so uh, something that I have discovered, well, that's that's incorrect. I haven't discovered this recently. I have codified it recently in a way that makes it more useful to me, mm-hmm. which is the idea of um, the focus session, which is um, basically live, it's based on the edit in narrative audio, which is an Out on the Wire, the idea that you get together with a group of people and you um, have them respond directly to your work and you know you, you basically present it out loud because it's audio you know we're mm-hmm. talking about radio here and podcasting and then they pick it apart and you have an edit live but this kind of like group pylon on of, and discussion is so productive it's kind of like the writers like a tv writers room mm-hmm. in a way yeah so coming from that like I realized that I had been doing a kind of tiny version of that for years and it always been super useful to me but I always felt guilty about it because I felt like I should be able to do this by myself you know, that, like, I should be able to, like, figure out how to answer these narrative questions or get through this hard part on my own. Right. And, um, but basically what it is, is you sit down with somebody smart who's willing to, like, take a little bit of time with you, and you just, like, talk your way through whatever you're stuck on. You just say, like, okay, well, this character is doing this thing. I'm in this part here. and I need them to get over here. And I don't understand why, but, okay, but that's because, oh, wait. And you get this <laughs> moment where you say it out loud And everything starts to come into, you know, click into place. It's not like you solve the whole problem, but you get inroads into it Mm in a way that you can't. If you're just stewing on it all by yourself, you just can't. can't. It's not, you know, uh, well, let me, that's putting it too strongly. You can but it's going to take you a really long time. And if you do a focus session, you're going to get over it a lot quicker, a lot more quickly.
0: Who do you use to work on this with?
1: usually my husband yeah. but when i was doing out on the wire I would, I would do it with my producer and there's certainly plenty of other people who are appropriate too and what i say about this is people are like oh i don't have anybody it's like this does not have to be somebody who's a professional you know it doesn't have to be somebody who's also a writer or whatever it just has to be like kind of an ideal audience member like somebody who would be a reader and you know it's part of part of learning how to take criticism and take edits and so on but it's like recognizing you know make sure you pick somebody who's going to Enter into the agenda on your terms, and not just be like, "I think you should be doing blah blah blah," you know, because that happens, yeah. and that's wrong. But like, if somebody's sort of trying to understand your project, like what you're trying to do, whatever they hear, whatever they understand, is true about what you're doing. You know, that is act—that's what you're communicating, and whether you intend to c- communicate that or not is not the point. You, you, you know. Um, are and so you have yeah. to figure out like is that what I want or not, and figure out how to communicate the thing that you want to communicate because a lot of people are like oh they're wrong and it's like well they may be wrong about how to fix it but they're not wrong about what you said or about what was there right you know because they heard it they, if they what, have a they, heard with what it, they heard is what they
0: there's a problem right
1: right they they may not know what to do about it right they may identify completely the wrong thing to do about it but they've identified something you need to pay attention to.
0: It's really, really rich and something I would like to remember. My wife is very, very good for this kind of thing, and and like you say, I we're using them as almost you know bouncing our ideas back to us. Sometimes they don't have to participate that much, although she does. Um, but a lot of times, like you're saying, yeah, I, I talk I, my way there. It's like it's, there are times it's,
1: when the other person doesn't say almost anything,
0: right? And and you figure out, oh, that's what I needed. Thanks so much for your help. And they shrug, and you're so welcome. <laughs> Okay. On really bad days, what other profession do you wish you had if you couldn't teach or write or draw?
1: I'd like to be a contractor. How so? What well, kind? be a builder. I'd like to be like uh, a, you know, hands-on. I really like hands-on and like planning and vision and logistics and making things that are cool and making things that are beautiful. And... uh Working with people, you know, having people who, you know, as a contractor, you're like in charge of different people and like coordinating all that stuff. And this is like a whole planning aspect that I find really fun and entertaining. I know I'm weird, but that's <laughs> true. Um, and I think I'd be really good at it. I mean, I'm good with my hands and I'm good at, you know, like I have not learned all the craft skills of being a contractor, but like I know some of them and I, I know I have a sort of like knack for it. That's
0: so interesting. All I have is plumbing. I can, well, I, can, I can do plumbing. good. Bye. I can hire you. <laughs> okay,
1: great. You could be my sub. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I, want, I want to ask you a question that wasn't on the list, but it's specifically about um, something that you really talk about a lot in Growing Gills, which I really like. Can you tell us a bit about the idea of choosing one project?
1: Okay, yeah. So this is um, something I'm super bad at, by the way. Me too, but, which is
0: why I'm really, really liking it. I'm really
1: liking so, it. But so many people are super bad at it. Yeah. and despite the fact that I'm super bad at it, I know it's true. Like I know this is true from the bottom of my heart, which is pick one goal to work on at a time. And that's, I should make a caveat, which is one goal in one like zone of your life. So you can have a personal goal, like a job work goal and a creative goal at the same time, depending on how much time you have in your life, you know, to to work on these things. Why do you pick one goal? Well, there's a bunch of reasons, but the main reason is um, that, just picture this scenario, you work out all your time, your schedule for your calendar for your week. And you're like, okay, I've got eight hours to work on my book. Um, or I have eight hours to work on projects. And I've got my scrapbooking project, I've got my book that I want to write, I've got, uh, you know, um, a whole new garden section to plan, I've got a um, blog, an essay, blah, blah, blah. you know, you've got eight projects, mm-hmm. right? You got all those projects and you work one hour on each of those projects. You've used up all your time, but nothing has happened. Essentially. Right. right. And and every single time you switch projects, you have context switching uh, lag time. So you have to like get up and rolling again. Like, what was I doing in the garden again? I can't remember where are my catalogs I can't find them. You know, like you have to get all that stuff together again. That takes time. So probably you only really get maybe anywhere from six to, I mean, three hours of really good work time if you're switching projects all the time. Um, whereas if you uh, work on one, you just work on your book or you just do the garden thing or you do whatever it is and you you write a blog post, you could write an entire blog post in eight, eight hours, you know, even if it's eight hours scattered over the whole week and you have to get up and rolling again, you're still thinking about it the whole time because you haven't switched gears. You're still moving from project to project thinking about that thing and um, and from from session to session, still thinking about that same thing, you're able to get back into it more quickly. You can get it done faster and better. And then it's out in the world and like working for you. You know, people are reading it, they're getting excited about that thing. you're able to share it and kind of, you know build an audience based on that blog post that might then be people who want to read your book, you know, when you get to that. So the arguments against it are, I have a lot of things I want to do, period, but more, Compellingly, I am multi-passionate. I have many things that I want to do. I'm a painter and a writer and a graphic novelist and a blah blah blah. How am I going to only do one thing? The rule is one at a time. It's not only one ever. It's one at a time. So instead of simultaneous, they are sequential, right? Right. So that's the rule. And you know, I my own life is evidence for why you should do this. Um, like my life in the last few months, because I've actually been doing three major projects at the same time, and All of them have taken at least three times the length of time that they would, you know, maybe more. None of them are quite done and none of them are done as well as they would have been if I did one at a time. I didn't really have the option because of various other restrictions in this case to
0: Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get stuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like one of them was writing a whole bunch of new emails and I also needed to I realized I needed to switch from one email provider to a different email provider. Mm. Those are two enormous projects. They had to happen. Like I had to write the emails to go into the thing. And I also had to set up the thing to write, to put the emails in, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> so there were things like that, but it really, I mean, I, I just felt like such an idiot, like writing this book and, you know, talking about how one goal and doing like, you know, workshops about it, all this stuff. And then what the hell was I doing? You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: I think that's what makes you compelling, though, as an artist to follow is that you do talk about your process and you do talk about how it breaks down and how we fall and stumble and then get back up. I mean, it's it's just awesome that way. And I love what you say about you're only choosing it for now. That's that's what I tell people when they can't decide what book to write. You know, I I, I always like to think in my own life that every choice I make in terms of like a book to focus on is the wrong choice and the right choice at the same time. You know, it's it's. I am probably going to miss, I'm going to miss a lot of opportunity by focusing on this one thing, but I'm getting something so much greater out of it because I'm focusing on it. And the only way I do get large projects done is because I do focus on them one at a time. Although I've never just really crystallized it that clearly and thought about it and pushed away the other things that are so interesting for right now, they'll still be there when I, when I get done with this project.
1: Yeah. Or they won't, you know, like or they there's, won't. I love because that. there's also, there's yes. also uh the dilemma aspect of this that you you raised a little bit by saying talk about opportunity costs that like when you when you choose one thing over another thing, you are giving up on the opportunities offered by the thing that you're choosing not to do. Right. Um, and you have to live with that. And that to say that that's not the case would be really dishonest. And like there are costs yeah. to everything that we do. Um, and everything that we don't do. And um, a lot of my methodology has to do with revealing those costs and saying like, you know, revealing that dilemma and saying like, what is the dilemma at the heart of this? Why is it hard for me to commit here? And this thing of saying like, say you have four books you want to be working on and you can really only do one. And not only that, because you're writing full length books, it will probably be a year and a half to three years. You know, it's a long period of time that you're doing this thing. Um, By the time you finish, the other ones may not be relevant anymore. I May loved, not care. I
0: loved how you pointed that out in your book that we change, we change as people, and and this whole nostalgia of holding on to this old idea that that you loved so much, but you're not that person anymore. You you made a promise to the, a person who doesn't exist anymore. You promised yourself you would do it, but that person, you've changed so much that 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 is, is the point is moved.
1: Hmm. Yeah. And so some things go, you know, get into the rearview mirror, and we have this thing of doing sequential projects you will get a lot more done. Like I just did a panel with a bunch of students, um, former students yesterday, and all of them came into the, uh, well, not all of them, several of them came into the workshop wanting to do like a whole bunch of projects and realized they had to narrow down and just pick, you know, one thing at a time. And and in a way it felt like they were like lowering their sights. Like they weren't being ambitious enough. They weren't like, Mm -hmm. you know, like, if they're just saying they're just going to do this one thing that's 10 pages long, like, what is that? That's not, you know, that's not like a vision of being a graphic novelist or being a, you know, a novelist or any whatever. You know, it's just the small thing. Right. But by um, stacking these projects one after the other, they've actually done all the things they intended to do and more. It's
0: so cool.
1: Um, but all that said, there still is limited time. There are things yeah. you're not going to get to, you know. Yeah. And, and that's the dilemma part. That's where you just have to say, like, that's, you know, yeah.
0: Could be could be right, could be wrong, could be both. Yeah. And we'll probably be both in, in some ways and yeah. being okay with that. Well, that kind of feeds into if you were starting over now as a new writer, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Well, This you kind of gets me. back to the idea of the best or worst advice yeah. I've been given. I don't know that I've actually been given this advice, but, like, I feel like the um, advice that's out in sort of The world is just keep working away at what you're doing. And if you, um, if you keep doing more of it, like just double down, you know, just do more, like figure out how to like keep making more books and keep doing more things and just keep like pumping stuff out there. And that's the, um, that's the answer. Like if you do that, you'll get where you want to get with it. You know, you'll get to success.
0: Um,
1: and that's terrible advice. It's totally not true. Um, So what I would tell myself if I were a new writer starting over is first of all, try to pull away from the next project and get a strategic view of where I want to be in the future and work backwards. So like, what's the, what's the path to that thing? Mm -hmm. Make sure money is part of that path. Mm -hmm. Like not just, I want to have published books, but I want to make X amount of money. And then like, well, how is that amount of money attached to those books? Like what, happens there to make the money? Like, what's right. the actual plan? Like, yeah. I, you know, I've always been pretty smart with money and I've never like gone into debt or had major problems or whatever, but like um, trying to make life as an artist, as you know, is incredibly difficult. And um, the more like hard-nosed and clear you can get about your money goals and and how, and the more you can know about like, what are the chances that if I publish this book with this publisher i'm going to make you know royalties on the back end mm-hmm. you know by the way they're like uh, <laughs> just telling you um, yep. but uh you know and then so where's my money going to come from and how much money do i need and like what are my numbers and like all those kinds of things people don't like to talk about this stuff i've never been really scared of talking about this stuff but nobody and, uh, ever told me this to yeah yeah i mean like nobody ever told me to like so my, the worst advice that I never is what I never got, which is like, you know, figure it out. Like figure out what this looks like. What is your plan? Like how is it gonna when you are 47, like what's what's it gonna look like? And then how is that, you know, how are you gonna get between here and there? And obviously there's lots of unknowns, but the way you don't do it is by just doing another book, you know, and hoping. what you do like hoping. Hoping. You, you take the book you already have that's awesome and you do something else with it. You you figure out how to get it into the world in a different way. You try to leverage what you have as opposed to just continuously like getting on that hamster wheel and just you know not having time to like actually you know do anything with the work you've already made.
0: And that has a lot to do with the choices that you make in your life too. You referenced uh, Tim Kreider, who is who's represented by my agent um, too, and he made choices to live in a way that most of us don't make, make choices. He's single, has no kids. He lives on a mountaintop or something. Right. Yes. And, and, and he can get away with I was
1: I only ever see him in New York city, but I know he goes somewhere else, you know,
0: someplace <laughs> very inexpensive where you can live, yeah. you know, but whereas I live in Oakland and I've made that choice to live in a very high priced area, which means yeah. I, I have to do, do more hustle, but that's, that's what I've chosen to do. So super, yeah. super awesome. What would you like to plug right now? Tell us where we can find you. Tell us about the new book.
1: Um, so my new book is, um, growing gills, It's fabulous how to find creative focus when you're drawing in your daily life. It is available as paperback and e-book, ebook. And, um, that's what I want to plug. So this is, a uh, the, you know, there's a, there's a workbook that comes with this and it's very actionable. It's really designed to help, help you get through the whole process of thinking through what it is that's stopping you creatively from making the self-generated work that you want to make. And help you build up this whole system around getting it done. Um, I also have a course about that called the um, Creative Focus Workshop, which is enrolling right now. But probably if this is not live, then it won't be enrolling by the time it's on the air. But it will be again someday. So, so get you know, on the list. Get on the mailing list. Get on the list and find out about that. And I have, you know, lots of uh, in- information and blog posts about that. But so Growing Gills is the big thing. And I'm really excited about it. Um, the response has been really great. And I'm really happy to be here with you. Uh, because of it and just the conversations that it produces are just like ones I've wanted I have wanted to have like my whole life about we can get down to the nitty-gritty of what like, what is it like to be a creative person?
0: And I have to say I I, I read I read Everything and I read a lot and I read and I love reading this kind of thing But I'm also really a master of reading this kind of book and not doing any of the exercises <laughs> you know, Just like lying in bed and, and not doing them but thinking them through in my head But you know that doesn't count and yours have actually been working through Oh. And, and I, I, I don't know why, but they just, they did prompt me to get up off of my butt and and pick up the pencil and start writing things down. Well, like
1: I do actually say in the introduction, you can't do this in yes. your head. Yes. So that might <laughs> be
0: why I did it because I am also a rule follower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, I knew I'd be talking to you. So maybe there were multiple levels, there probably
1: multiple things, but you listener listening to this podcast should also do right now, the exercises. If you don't do the exercises, they do not have any effects. Reading about them does not make change. They don't. Ex- exactly. I can have all the best intentions in the
0: world. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. It's been absolutely a treat to talk to you. And I've been looking forward to this so much. And you, you did not let down. You're awesome. So,
1: thank you. Uh, thank Thanks you so for much. Me.
0: Of course. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write?,